Hi, I'm Internet Steve Sterling Watson, benevolent founder of the Indube Network and host of the Indube Podcast, a bi-weekly program as blurdy and eclectic as I am, with topics ranging from music, film, history, culture, time travel, marshmallows, religion, and the brilliance of J.J. Abrams. Search and subscribe on iTunes, Stitcher Radio, Google Play, Podbean, and wherever podcasts are procured. Also, please support the Indube Network on Patreon. The podcast and this ad is a 3SFX production. another episode of so here's what happened i'm your host nisha and i'm also joined here by my co-host hi guys it's carolyn how are you yeah there she is um yeah so thanks again for joining us for another episode we apologize this one's coming out a little later but we just have so much stuff to talk about for the month of august yeah it was i feel like a lot of great things came out this month yeah no august was really good i there a lot a lot of stuff happened um Mm -hmm. we had the summer of asians which is about crazy rich asians searching movie and then we also had films like black clansman sorry to bother you and um I'm missing something else. There's and blind spot. I still haven't seen um, blind spotting us yet. Um, but yeah, oh. so but we had a lot of stuff happening this 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 month. I know it was kind of hard for me to choose. Like, okay, I need to get to the movies. And I need to see this, this, and that. And unfortunately, being an adult, it is hard <laughs> to get to see everything I want, which is annoying. It's like you think you'll be able to go and see everything you want to go see, but then you realize, oh, I can't. So. <laughs> Yeah, I still have things I want to go see. Like, I want to go see Searching for sure this weekend. Yeah, I haven't. Been, I've been sick, as you know, so I haven't been able to go, which I'm completely oh, yeah. bummed about. I'm like, oh, I really wanted to go opening weekend, but alas, I was not mm-hmm. able to go. It's all good, but we are going to talk to y'all about what we did read and watch for the month of August. So let's kick it off with the things that we read. Would you like to go first? Um, okay, so for stuff I watched in August, so for TV shows, I Killjoy started back. Um, that's one of my favorite sci-fi mm-hmm. shows. And so it's really good. Right now we're at episode six, and it's the season four, and season five next year is going to be the last season. So it's kind of bittersweet to be watching season four because we know for sure that it's going to end in season five. But it's been really good. We're finally getting into the nitty-gritty of who Dutch is and her past with Anila. Mm-hmm. And we're learning more about the other characters like Dav and Aaron and also Fancy Lee and Pre and his husband Garrett. So it's like really good getting into the characters this season. But as I said, it's kind of bitter. It's kind of bittersweet. <laughs> gotcha. Gotcha. Okay. Yeah. And then that's because Killjoys. So forgive me. I mean, it is on my list to start it. But that's the one with Sean Beck. Yeah. Sean, Sean, his name Sean Beck plays Fancy Lee. He's one of my favorite yes. characters. Fancy, hilarious. <laughs> and see, I hear I've just seen like so many great things from like when you tweet about it and like other people tweet about it. And I'm just like really excited to like get into it. 
it's just like one of those things that I'm bad at is where like I should probably go and start something new and I end up watching Parks and Rec for the fifth time all the way through. That's the thing is, right? It's like we have so many new shows to, to watch, especially people like us who love mm-hmm. TV and love talking about films and TV and such. Like we, there's so much things we have to get caught up with. And that's something yeah. that I've been trying to work on. This I'm so I'm horrible. Like I was, I told myself I'm gonna be studying for TIFF because you know I'm covering TIFF. But I have to. I'm, I want to study and and prep myself by watching films from previous like that I that I haven't seen as yet. So like I watched The Shape of Water. I watched um, mm-hmm. Inception. I had watched like Inception years ago, and like I watched it. I'm like, wait, I think I watched this whole thing. I thought I did it, but I was like, wait, I think I did watch the entire film. But um, so I watched mm-hmm. like The Shape of Water. Um, and there's some other films that I said I wanted to watch, but I've been like sick, so I haven't had the energy, which is so weird for me to not have the energy to be watching TV. So mm-hmm. I've been most, like, mostly lying on in my bed <laughs> watching um, K dramas <laughs> and Chinese dramas on my phone. <laughs> <laughs> you and your dramas. I, listen, I love it. I love those K dramas. But yeah, and also for TV, so like, yeah, I've been getting caught up with some like K Korean dramas and some Chinese dramas. <laughs> Yes. I mean, you've, I should blame you for my, like, I start, I keep starting like K-dramas and then I find another one because Netflix loves to just throw stuff at me. Netflix, and I'm just like, yeah, Netflix has <laughs> some really good, um, some really good films and the MI mm-hmm. sister, we discovered they have like the old school action films, old school action Chinese martial arts films. So we watched one with, it, I think it's the second um, film that Jelly ever did. And it was hilarious. Okay. I'm like, yes, this is taking me back to my Sundays back home as a girl in Barbados. Like every Sunday after we cleaned, we went to church, came home, cleaned, ate lunch, and then the rest mm-hmm. of the day was it was spent either watching Turner Classic movies or um, old school Chinese martial arts films. <laughs> gotcha. Oh, that sounds like a nice. I mean, you know, like the cleaning part, it's fine. Oh, yeah. You're being productive. You're being productive, and you know, go to church, praise the Lord. But like. <laughs> afterwards when you're free and you get to do whatever you want that sounds nice that sounds real nice it's like saturday mornings when i was a kid it's like you gotta wake up you can't even watch tv yet gospel music is playing mm-hmm. you need to clean this house yeah then after everything is done then you can watch your cartoons yeah, it was, so it's the same, that's it was, nice it was the same thing i think it's like a traditional thing across the black diaspora because in the caribbean and in north america for black families it's the same saturdays and sundays in our house on our house was both days so like saturday was mostly the heavy cleaning so like my mom loved to you know wash um, you know, we had all, all those figurines. So we like be washing the figurines, washing our school clothes, washing the car, mm-hmm. washing the dog, <laughs> give the dog a bath. <laughs> that was our, that was our nice. Sunday and all that was, and that was our Saturday and all that was spent listening to like oldie goldies and old gospel music and the Sundays. If you didn't watch movies, mm-hmm. went to the beach, when you came to the, came up from the beach, everyone in the whole neighborhood would be playing their oldie goldies and this movies, you had like, I even been hearing music from like the forties and the fifties and the sixties. So I grew up around that kind of stuff nice that's awesome that's so nice i'm learning so much about you ah. <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah um okay so then you that was killjoys was there anything else you watched that you wanted to mention tv wise uh i'm trying to think was there any other shows that came back i've been getting caught up with elementary this season of elementary is really good um okay so sherlock has a new nemesis it's this guy michael but i still think moriarty is gonna come back because this guy michael he's like oh i am your ultimate mm-hmm. nemesis i'm like no you ain't have you never heard of moriarty i have a feeling moriarty's <laughs> gonna step in she's gonna be good she's gonna be like the only person who can torment sherlock on joan or me like i don't need some random white dude who thinks he's god to come mm-hmm. in here and try to be playing games with sherlock so i think she's gonna step in and actually be with it but also the other thing i really like about this season is um watson joan she's she wants to adopt a baby and so they're dealing with the whole thing about adopting 
of a, of a single mother adopting. So I think that's a really good storyline. And it actually mimics Lucy Liu's storyline because she has, um, a, she's a single parent, right? So I think it's really good that mm-hmm. they're kind of like, not mimicking, but they're kind of like dealing with that, that aspect of a storyline for her. Oh, interesting. Yeah. I need to start that too. <laughs> it's a really good show. It's on my list. Yeah. It, it is on my list. Yeah, this season's really good. Um, and her one of the season is banging because I am I love suits. So like she's been wearing a lot of suits this season, so I love it. Yes, Lucy Liu in suits. Just a gift. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yep. What about you? Well, what have you been watching? Oh, uh, let's see. So I started, I mean, this isn't my pick because I feel like everyone has watched The Office except for me. I finally started watching that. That's besides the point. I just, I just want to say this real quick. I'm so irritated of how Stanley is treated in that place mm. and I hate Michael Scott. Michael I hate is, Michael Scott Michael's so much. the worst boss ever. The worst. Isn't he, and everybody, everybody says like, oh, he's a great boss. I'm like, okay, I get it. Like he has like redeeming qualities, but I just cannot get over how annoying Michael and, and, and inappropriate. And I know that's the point is that he's annoying and is inappropriate, but apparently he's still like this good person. But I'm like, no, I hate Michael. I'm like, I'm on season seven and I'm so close to like when Michael leaves and I'm ready for him to be gone. Yeah, Michael's a, he's, he's racist, he's misogynist, he's sexist, yeah. he's mean, he's petty, he's immature. He is literally the embodiment of everything you don't want in a boss or an employer. He's the worst. Exactly. And then I think I had made the tweet on Twitter and I was like, it, I got to the episode where Michael just kept on like messing with Stanley. Yeah. Like they're in the meeting and Stanley is there. He's at least there and he's doing his crossword puzzle and he's listening. But the meeting is about nothing. It's not about work. And he's like, come on, Stanley. Like he start, he's doing that like problematic microaggression shit that he loves to do. Mm-hmm. And like, and then Stanley had just had enough of it. And he's just like, did I stutter, damn it? And I was like, yes, Stanley. Tell this oh, man, yeah. finally. I love that episode. And then, yeah, and then... Like, what really made me mad is Toby, the HR guy, comes to Michael and is like, you really need to address this with um, Stanley. It was inappropriate how he reacted. I'm like, he, it, what Stanley did was inappropriate? I'm like, I'm sorry. Aren't you HR? Like, why, like, why is Stanley, like, being, rep- should be, why should Stanley be reprimanded by Michael? But it shows you it's how like, like black people are treated, or any or women, or yeah. anyone who speaks up against their employers. Like they, people see that like, you getting tormented by your employer or fellow employees, and they see that they're yeah. messing with you. And instead of dealing with them, they're gonna come to you when you find it's like it's typical with bullies, right? Bullies will torment you, yeah. they push you and push you and push you and push you and push you. And then from the time you defend yourself, mm-hmm. but why you gotta be like this? Why you don't resort to anger? You need to talk it. Out. I'm like, bitch, I've been trying to talk it for the last few months, but you ain't doing nothing. So if my hands gotta talk. They gotta talk. Exactly. Which is like, I don't know if that was done on purpose. Like, if they'd made, like, that whole thing on purpose. But then at the end of the episode, it was about, like, hey, I don't care if... Michael's like, I don't care if you like me, but you have to respect me. I'm like, then will you respect Stanley in his space and leave him alone? Yeah. Like, that's all I want. That's... uh, Okay, but that was my rant about that, y'all. That's just been on my soul. And then I wanted to (laughs) share. Um, But my pick that I've been enjoying um, for years is Voltron, Legendary Defender. So, like, that's on the... That's the Netflix one. It's made by DreamWorks. And it is based... It is one of my favorite animations out there right now. I mean, it's been out since... When did this premiere on Netflix? It was... 2016 wow it has felt like so much longer but it's because i guess they're on season seven wait stop. they it released pre- their seasons 
June 10th, 2016. Really? And they are season seven, right? But the seasons aren't that long, but still, that's a yeah. really quick turnaround for an animated film, animated show. Yeah. So, like, I know they, like, they made a commitment with Netflix to do, like, I think 78 or 80 episodes. So I think that's, like, their whole thing is, like, they don't do the whole, like, year, like, an annual yeah. season. They do, like, three months. Okay, here's the next season. Oh, another three months. Here's the next season. Which is why I was like, oh, shoot. That's why I don't, like, maybe that's why I love this show so much is because I don't have to wait for forever. Yeah. Um, so, that I mean, that's awesome. That's a great thing. So you have, like, seven seasons, and the seasons aren't long. Like, sometimes the last two seasons, they've been pretty short because I think they were just trying to get through a bunch of filler. Um, filler that was still necessary, but, you know, like, they needed to progress the story on so that they could finish up their um, dedicated episodes that they had, like, agreed to. Right. But anyways, it's a great show. I mean, if anyone who's watched the original Voltron or any of the other reboots from over history, I like it. Um, just because one, one of my favorite things is Princess Allura. I love that Princess Allura is dark her. skin. I love her. She is dark skin, has like the most beautiful voice. And I just love how confident she is. Like, yes, this is the space princess that I deserve. The dark skin space princess who's confident and who's a leader. And just like, this is what I wanted all my life. This is what I needed when I was 10 years old. Yeah, yeah no, I love Laura. Uh, I love um, Voltron. Like I was telling earlier, I miss. I mm-hmm. have to catch up to season six and season seven. I've been, I've been very lax because the thing is, is I have binged from season one to season five earlier this year because I was I really mm-hmm. really love the show. And then of course when I found out that Steven Yuan, um, is yes, the voice of Keith, Keith I was like, second. yes, because I love Keith. And I was like, yes. wait, his voice sounds familiar. And I was like, I am mm-hmm. DB. I'm like, yes. Steven yeah, my boy. Yep. So of course I'm gonna watch it. So I love it. But yeah, I need to get caught up. But uh, there's some developments that I saw online that was really interesting. Um, Keith, mm-hmm. it looks like Keith is he's fine. I think like spoil me like spoilers. I've told you before, spoilers don't do anything for me because it doesn't stop me from um, enjoying the show. But from Got what you. I saw online, it looks like Keith is gonna he finally found out his, who his mother is. But yeah, at the end of yeah. season five, he found out that his mother was um, help me, Lord. Oh, his mother is a Galra. Is a Galra, yeah. It was like Grand Company. Yeah. yeah, his mom was a Galra, because that's how he got the 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 knife. But also, it looks like mm-hmm. we're gonna we learn more about Shiro. We learn more about everyone. And like I saw yep. Chelsea had tweeted earlier a couple weeks ago. She, I saw a tweet, and Huck is half black. He's half African American. I'm like, yes. Right. And Finally, yeah, like, I have yes. been wanting to know. Right. <laughs> and I mean, it was kind of hinted that Lance is from Puerto Rico. Is it Puerto Rico or Cuban? Is That's it what... Cuban? I thought it was Cuban. Oh, sorry, Cuban. Yeah. Cuban. Cuban. You're right. You're right. Cuban. Sorry. He because he had mentioned it like in passing. Always like, oh, I was just some boy from like Cuban. I was just some Cuban boy, and I was just like, hold. I love how like simply how like effortlessly they mention these things, mm-hmm. and then and it's not like a whole, you know. Like, I'm trying to think, you know, when you we've seen it shows where it's like diversity is done for just like attention yeah. and it's not really done well. I like how this is just done so effortlessly, but I, I did not know about Hunk. I'm, oh, I'm excited. I know, I was excited. And I love Hunk because I think he's so I, I know I know like ranking characters when it comes to shows and stuff, but he's one of my favorite characters because when, yeah. it, when the first when the show first started in season one, season two, like you, they made him almost 
you thought that he was a bumbling stereotype of you know like the bumbling bigger person but it's not he's like, yeah. like okay so what he he gets motion sickness I do think they played up the motion sickness a way a bit too much and they because they just constantly <laughs> yeah. had him puking I'm like okay yeah guys this 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 chick is getting a little old so that was my problem with it at mm-hmm. first but he's like well I think he's actually like more smarter than we than he's given credit for it because he figures oh, all yeah. of this um, he's stuff. an engineer. Yeah, and he's an engineer, and then like then you have Pidge, who's actually a girl yeah. in this um, reboot, which I thought was very clever. Like that was one of the things that in the first season is that you find out that Pidge, also aka Katie, she um, snuck into the garrison, which is like the Earth mm-hmm. space garrison, sp- space force. Haha, ha, I know. Um, Jesus Christ. Sorry, I don't want to bring politi- politics into this. But anyways, um, basically, she snuck in so that she could help find her brother and father because in the first season, she knows that her dad and brother are out in space. And she's worried because she hasn't heard anything from them. So she's worried that something's happened to them. So that's like one of like every character has some kind of like side plot that contributes to the overall plot really well. I think so. Um, and then like, like you said with Keith, that was a really big one is Keith. He's like, definitely like the stereotype, like lone wolf. Like, <laughs> does he not, does he not have attitude. a wolf in season seven? He does. And he gets his wolf in season, his awesome, like teleportation space wolf, which is just, just great. And I want a stuffed animal of that thing. Just, I want it. I need I it. I hope they do something. Um, I mean, for, I, I'm trying to remember if I saw anything for Voltron at San Diego Comic Con. I don't think I did because mm. I, I was looking for Allure art or at least a t-shirt or something and I don't I didn't see anything oh. with her so I'm gonna definitely have to keep my eye out for that next year at Comic-Con when I go oh for sure I mean like you there's always people like artists who do renders and stuff but yeah I would love to see some more stuff with her because again I've always just I've loved magical girls and I love space and fantasy and she's basically all of that in one yeah just Ah, the best. And yeah, I mean, there's not like, I'm not going to recap the whole seven seasons for y'all, but it's really worth sitting down and watching and getting into and it doesn't take up too much of your time. Um, The characters are great. The story is great. Um, Representation is there and they don't shy away from stories like one episode they literally said this is slavery and i was like okay yeah. good i'm like no one they do touch on part like, pretty ahead. no they do touch upon some pretty and they do it in a very smart mm-hmm. way because they talk about yeah. slavery because they like, when the gara have their like when they basically they're enslaving whole planets and, they, mm-hmm. and it's the people that were on the ground there, there it was there's um in season five there are people there's this group of people that live in a, it's like on a moon but they live on the ground and yep. like they're slaves they're basically mm-hmm. slaves and their whole their whole existence is on the ground and, and like they talk about it in a very subtle way but they talk about classism mm-hmm. they talk about slavery they talk yep. about racism they talk about racism too because when you talk about the Gara and then there's like different yeah there's different ethnicities within the Gara even though they're all purple but you can tell there's different ethnicities based on how the people look like some look more yeah some look more humanoid some look more um like I guess they're technically kind of look like a bat yeah like some kind of like that's what they kind of look like mostly is like bats or like a cat and a bat were mixed yeah because so, Lothar is more feline like, looking or a little more I, yeah, oh, yeah. I, think he, I think he's more bat looking more bat and feline looking and I don't trust his ass mm-hmm. anyway 
Yeah, no, you don't trust a man with white hair who looks good and talks nice. That's rule number <laughs> one. And any and any cartoon or anime, we know better. Um, but that's his. Even Lotar has a really good arc, and that's like a good like. Those are good seasons when he pops up. Oh, and then like to your point, the one the episode about the rock people, they also bring it up again because there's like there's like an alternate reality episode mm-hmm. where like somehow they end up in an alternate reality where um, Alora's people had actually been saved and they conquered the Galra. Mm. But the twist was they were enslaving people because they deemed them lesser beings. And they were like, we're helping them. We're giving them, they're giving them food and water. And we're helping that we're expanding our reach across the Mm -hmm. globe. Like this is what you and your father wanted. And she's like, not, not without their free will. Like not without their choosing. Yeah. So that one was great. I loved, I'm like, again, I just love how they hit on these topics and it's not like done it's not done lightly i think that team is doing a great job over there so yeah oh also i love that shiro this season we found out that shiro is gay and he has a boyfriend adam and i got to see the scene with them interacting and i'm not gonna say anything else because i'm gonna let you get to that yeah i saw something about that on tumblr and i was like ooh, intriguing mm-hmm. i'm not gonna lie exactly. i was shipping him and allure at first because i'm like listen i have no Same. shame i ship them i ship them in the beginning I was but you know <laughs> i have been shipping them for so long and then when that happened i'm like fine okay i'll let i'll let my ship die i know but i don't but i don't want to end up alone i'm like somebody give my girl somebody please <laughs> i don't want her to end up with lance no but god also, no please i can't stand him he annoys the hell out of me he annoys me he's a good friend he can they can just be friends and i also i'm tired like no offense to anybody y'all can have your ships that you want but i just don't care for the shiro and keith ship no you know, like just because they're more like brothers yeah. like literally brothers like they're not real brothers but he treats them as a little brother and shiro is like 30 yeah i don't know gotta be 30 yeah because she was like yeah he's he's a mature adult yeah for sure and also to me he, so, he, he i think he he sees more just like a brother as a brother but also as someone he has to train and to teach mm-hmm. right so exactly it's just the he he sees the potential in keith to be a leader yes um and to take over his mantle if needed and i think that's very valuable um and yeah it's just really I don't see it when people have that shit for them. And, but yeah, that is my review for Voltron. It's worth it. Go watch it. Enjoy it. You'll thank me later. Yeah. Um, um, what else? Let me see. Yeah, those are the only shows that I've been paying. I've been watching other side of my K-drama. So mm-hmm. that's it for shows for me and I guess for you too. And yep. so next we discuss books. Yep. Let's get into it. You want to go first? Yeah, sure. Cause I didn't. Uh, y'all don't shame me. I didn't finish reading my book because it's thick and, but it is very good. But it's thick. Um, I read. I'm read and I'm still reading lies. My teacher told me. Yes. So this one is everything your American history textbook got wrong, and it's by James W. Lowen. Mm. Um, and he's also the author of Lies Across America. So this, I love this book just from the title alone. So I'll just read the quick summary. Um, Americans have lost touch with their history. And in Lies, my teacher told me, Professor James Lowen um, shows why. After surveying 18 leading high school American history texts, he has concluded that not one 
does a decent job of making history interesting or memorable. Marred by an embarrassing combination of blind nationalism, mindless optimism, sheer misinformation, and outright lies, these books omit almost all of the ambiguity, conflict, and drama from our past. So, it gets into it. Um, and I also have the updated edition that um, also updates from, like, they include lies surrounding 9-11 and the Iraq War, the truth about Columbus's historic voyages, mm-hmm. to an honest evaluation of foreign policy. Um, and he is just, it, he really goes into it, and it's not done. It's, like, he wrote it as, like, this... It's thought-provoking, it's nonpartisan, and it's often shocking, but this is how history, in my opinion, should be taught in our high schools and to our children, because let's face it, like, I'm on the chapter of, like, heroification, and it talks about it, and it's like, when you, like, as I'm reading it, it clicks for me, because when you're in high school or, like, in junior high and you're learning history, some of it is just facts, but then when you get to the point where people, like, glamorize World War II, and they don't talk about like all the prejudice. Like America loves to talk about Pearl Harbor and how we helped defeat Hitler, but then they forget to mention how we treated the Japanese Americans. Actually, Asian Americans in this country were treated like they were put into internment camps. Yep. So, and then like in the chapter about like uh, heroification, they bring up Helen Keller. I'm like, what does this have to do with Helen Keller? But then when you think about it, like in high school, and I learned about Helen Keller or English class. I think we read her biography. They always talked about how she was humanitarian and how she did all these great things. And she went on to give like speeches and stuff. But it's like then she got involved politically. That history isn't really found about her unless you dig into it. And like because she disagreed with the sitting president at the time, then the press started turning turning on her. And it's just like, wow, like didn't know that because I wouldn't have known that unless there was some kind of like, it was taught to me or unless I knew to look for it. So I'm like, I'm really looking forward to going into this deeper, especially when we get to like the Native Americans and we get to like African American history in here, because let's face it, history books now are just a shame. Um, They don't talk enough and they're not, I think a lot of parents even still will opt for their child to not learn about the civil war because they don't want their child to learn about it here. So I'm like, it's ridiculous that children aren't learning the history of, 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 our, of our country as it should be taught. Like, it needs to be honest, and it can't. we can't sugarcoat and make things honest. We can't be like, yes, America was discovered when Columbus came here, and he made friends with the Indians. I'm like, these are all lies. I'm tired of it. Well, yeah, so. right? So, and that's the thing I, I think about North American culture when it comes mm-hmm. to history is that it's very revisionist because I find like the rest yeah. of the world is I think slightly well like every country has a way of like I guess you could see sugarcoating their own personal histories but I think most of the world mm-hmm. is pretty good at like acknowledging when atrocities have been committed and that kind of stuff I find North American culture both in the United States and yeah. Canada they have, they have this whole thing and I guess because predominantly white because they, they don't like to admit like yeah you guys did some shitty things in the past like one up to like Canada itself likes to think uh, Canada I'm gonna say Canada me as a whole like they like yeah we're better than America because we weren't as shitty when it comes to racism as America mm-hmm. but I'm like uh but really were you though because the Mahong, the mm. First Nations peoples were treated here the indigenous tribes were treated here and they're still being treated here yeah. um was ab- absolutely shameful and racism did exist in Canada. Like once slaves, um, runaway slaves crossed the border, they did not like suddenly 
run into the Latin mm-hmm. American honey. Like they face hardships here too. They face prejudice here too. And the Native American, mm-hmm. the First Nations were treated abysmally and they were placed on reservations and they were placed in um, reform schools, but you know, the Catholic reform schools and the way they yep. were treated was horrible. Like people were killed, like children died in these schools and they were raped and molested and, mm-hmm. um, and treated horribly uh, up until like the seventies. And like, so like they, there's cult, like North American culture has a habit of saying, yeah, we did things horribly, but we're over it now. But like, no, because the consequences are still being felt there. And I think that's one of yeah. the things about growing up in the Caribbean in Barbados, like a part of our history when we did history and social studies in school we learned global history right we learned about the native americans we learned Mm -hmm. about the holocaust we learned about pearl harbor we learned about the internment camps in school in like secondary school we learned about this stuff and um and we learned about apartheid like it didn't go in depth until like you got until until you would get into like university and if you like study humanities and politics then you'd go more in depth into global politics and stuff but we kind of like did like the basics for it in school in in the caribbean and in barbados so it always fascinates me how i hear i see people like on twitter and social media talking about oh we we don't do our children really need to learn this yes your children need to learn this because your past is shameful and you need to know and the only way we can correct the future is if you understand the past right um but like you can't run away from your past you have to acknowledge it and like this crap is still happening today that's like there was this post by deborah messing like she was all appalled because this um this woman called um the nfl the black NFL, NFL players kneeling, she called them baboons and Deborah Messing said this and she's like, mm. I'm appalled. I thought we done we we finished with all this stuff in decades ago. And I'm like, really? Really? What do you Ooh. think they're kneeling for? It's not like police brutality, is about it's also about how black people and people of color are being treated in North America by yes. white people. Like race, like do you not read the news? Do, do you not pay attention to your own Twitter feed? Like like people are like I'm like and I, I tweeted it because I was like, I told him like the privilege it takes for you to say and to have the gall to text on and say, I thought that we, we finished with all of this stuff decades ago. Like, no, ask mm-hmm. any black person, ask any person of color if they still face racism. And I'm like, yes, here in Canada, I I, I, I face prejudice. That I go into stores and I get people following me to this day. I go into stores yep. and I get followed around in stores here in Toronto and Canada. I'm like, it's not a freaking utopia, people. Like, what are you doing? Yeah. And that's kind of like the whole thing is I think every every country and like even like there's a line in the beginning um, and it's my favorite line because he dedicates a few things to like authors that he likes. Um, let me see. Oh, the one by James Baldwin. It's American history is longer, larger, more various, more beautiful and more terrible than anything anyone has ever said about it. And I think that can be applied like globally to everyone's history is that like, yes, we make it up in our brains of like how far we've come and how we've built our history and like what like over generations and stuff like the successes we've had but we never want to dig into like how do we get here how did our economy grow like through through the blood and sweat and deaths of slaves through the hardships and through like the slaughters genocides of native americans and like through persecuting people of color color throughout history and then there's classism it's just there's just so much and I agree with you about like we have people have to understand that like this has to be taught and understood so the behavior can be stopped. Like ignoring it and saying, oh, it's all in the past and we finished that like in the civil rights. Like, no, because the behavior still persists. If we are teaching the children that this stuff is wrong and that like, I don't know, like how 
how do I want to put this? It's like people want to put up in our brains of just like, oh, how George Washington was just like this great leader. And like they hear like it's a hierification again. It's like they build up this image of someone in their brains of like how great they were because they were an American hero. But then they don't want to acknowledge the very bad things they did. Like that can be applied even today. Like John McCain just died and everybody wants to talk about how great of a man he was. But I'm like, it's okay to talk about how great he was, but it is also okay to remember that he's bad. Forgive me for sounding cold, but callous and rude, but yeah, he was a prisoner of war. So were dozens of uh, hundreds of other soldiers. They don't get lauded the same way they do, um, the same way he does, but because Mm -hmm. he became a politician afterwards, like, like what? Like yes, he was and a prisoner of war. He still did America's things out, in his America's, position. America had Vietnamese prisoner of wars too. Uh, prisoner of war captives yeah. too. So like tit for tat. But it's also I'm like sorry. I'm mm-hmm. excuse me. Like yeah, he had cancer. I would never wish cancer no. my worst enemy. But mm-hmm. I can't get past someone who's like oh he died. He had cancer. Yeah, and while he was benefit benefiting from your healthcare system that that you by your taxes are paying for, he's getting yes. free healthcare. And he prevented you from getting healthcare when if you need it. Like that shit exactly. is wrong. Like I can't escape that. I'm like, yeah, he died. Boo-hoo. It, condolences to his family, but you can't forget everything that he did. Yeah. Five years as a exactly. prisoner war does it's not negate right. all the shit that he did to, to people and and things that he voted on are still mm-hmm. affecting people. He he's dead, he's gone. And like people are still gonna be people that need health care can't get it now because of him. So wow. yep. Because he literally got out of the, the hospital to vote against Obama. Exactly. Like, like he voted so that Martin Luther King Day would not be a holiday. Yeah, he apologized for that later on. But the fact of the matter is, I just think people have to understand this, and this can like relate to pop culture. People have a problem with seeing their heroes, like people who they admire, in a in a more like scrutinizing light we're like when you acknowledge that they did bad things you want to admire him for being a prisoner of war and respect him for that fine but you cannot you cannot blatantly ignore the things he did that oppressed people like that's i mean and that goes for like george washington that goes george for like Bush too. people uh, like oh he shared a mint with george me Bush. Obama out of and oh so my god what? he got he, how much how much soldiers are dead and suffering from ptsd not like, because of a war that he started exactly i mean there's so many things where people just want to ignore like well look how sweet and old he is with michelle i'm like yes because they're people and they can be respectful but i'm not that doesn't erase everything he's done like you have to like people can do good things and they could be bad people and vice versa like it doesn't it's not just all one way but again like we can't go down that rabbit hole because i feel like that's good so was that it for books for you another Yeah, that's it for me. I'm done. I'm done. I'm done ranting. <laughs> y'all go ahead. That's a good rant. Here, guys, forgive us. Um, yeah, but it's kind of funny that you also mentioned James Baldwin because one of the books that I was reading this month, um, yes. I started abysmally late, was "If Beale Street Could Talk" by James Baldwin, and mm-hmm. uh, this book was published in 1974. And I started mm. reading it because um, Barry Jenkins has a film that's going to premiere at TIFF, if Bill, if Bill Street Could Talk, um, based on the book. And this is actually the first time I'm reading a James Baldwin book. My sister has read his books before because she studied him in university. I never I never studied his or read his books before. So this is the first book. Oh, this is his first book that I'm reading. And I mm-hmm. haven't completed it yet. But because um, right now reading is a bit difficult for me because um, my cognitive impairment. But um 
I find the way he, he I'm not sure if his other books are structured the same way but the way how he had the dialogue for his books is written is very interesting to me um, so just to give you the su summary of the book so the plot is is that so there's Fanny and Tish so Tish is 19 years old and Fanny is um, 22 and she is as far as as far as I've read in the book so far I don't think she has a job because she hasn't yet mentioned about having a job but Fanny's a sculptor and he where I am in the book he has been arrested he's in prison for apparently something he did not do and she just discovered that she's pregnant but so I'm guessing the book is going to be about his court case and about discovering and finding a way to prove his innocence and stuff but I like the, the way the book is it's written is very interesting because his 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 sentence structure is not is it has this weird rhythm to it like it's not like how you would read a regular to me the way I read read Emma it's not the same I would read a regular novel so like um mm -hmm. Like Tish, she speaks very. If I was to hear her speaking, she to me, I'm hearing her tone. She had a very monotone voice. That's the way. If I was to hear her, I'm imagining her as a very straightforward, very monotone kind of person. And 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 for funny, I'm getting that like he's more expressive in, in his speech. I guess because he being an artist, but it's interesting. And I, like the way he describes his characters is very interesting because it's almost in this abstract manner and it's, it's interesting i like the way he, he, he I, I like the book so far um mm -hmm. and I'm, I'm really looking forward to the film because it's in my top film selections for tiff this year and i want to see what barry jenkins does with it because he's a very visual storyteller because we you know like from yeah um, like he's a very visual storyteller so i want to see how he interprets this book and i want to see if the way I mean, I'm seeing things in my head is the way how he's going to interpret it on film. So I'm really looking forward to that. And um, the other book that I've been reading <laughs> is Persepolis Rising by James S.A. Corey. So this is book seven in the Expat series. And I've been reading this book for so long. <laughs> mm -hmm. I got this book in July. <laughs> uh -huh. And I meant to read it. I was like, I tried reading it on the plane when I went to L.A. tried reading it coming back. I don't know what it is. I, I can tell you what it is about this book that made it difficult for me to first start reading. So one of the characters in the book, um, uh, he's this general, and he reminds me a bit of, he's an imperialist. And when I started reading okay. this book, so like a lot of ish, as usual, with Trump started going down, and I'm like, do I want to, my brain was not in a place to be reading a book about a man who is basically a colonizer and an imperialist. So the reason mm. I call him a colonizer is so like they, so they, so so as you know, for the expanse, so like it takes place in space, and so during the war, there was this group of Martians, Marines. So they they broke away from their main contingent, and they went to this um, one of the, um, um, what I'm, what's the word I'm looking for? One of the vacant, vacant. I, I I'm gonna say vacant. That's the word that's coming to head. Um, one of the vacant planets in through the the ring. And it's like 30 years later and he's going to come back with his people. They're, they're going to go to Ollie to the, they're going to come back and they'll be like, guess what, bitches? We want to take over your crap because we think we can do it better for you. Even though we've been off for 30 years, we don't know nothing about you. We think we know better. And I'm like, you're a damn colonizer mm. and an imperialist. I can't, like, my brain was not in the space. Like, I always have a problem with reading characters like that because, like... 
that's how slavery came about, right? Because like the Europeans, they went to Africa and to Spain, and they were like, mm-hmm. "We're gonna come here. We're gonna tell you uh, that you are you you ain't crap. You like we're gonna tell you how to run your society. We're gonna be like you're, and then you're gonna thank us for killing you, and you're gonna thank us for for overthrowing your government. And that that's all they are, right? So that's how these these martial settlers are. And I'm like, my brain was, and I think that's why it's so hard for me to read this particular book because I hate those kind of characters. I hate those kind of people. And mm-hmm. so, like, my, I haven't been able to finish it, and I've probably renewed it like three times already. I I really want to finish it, but I don't know. I don't know if I'm able to because my every time I read this character, I want to curse him. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and this is the first time it happened. I've, it's happened with me with this series because these books are really thick, and I've read these books in like two three days. I, like I can read, and these books are like how much? Like this one is about. So this book is about 600 pages. And I've read these books in like two or three days. This one is taking oh. me months, like two months, two months so far. <laughs> and this is the first one that's actually taking me this long to read a book. And I'm like, you know what? I can't, I just can't read a book about an imperialist. Not right now. I can't. <laughs> yeah, no, I understand. You take, take, take self-care. Yeah, and, <laughs> and, 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 and I just think it's interesting, like, sometimes when it comes to certain storylines for books, or films, or whatever, sometimes we have to be in a specific frame of mind to read them, because sometimes, even though we're reading for entertainment, we we don't realize how something could be affecting us, and, like, when you watch a film, like, it could be, uh, for instance, mm-hmm. like, Schindler's List, it's one of my favorite films, and I've watched it multiple times, and it's a hard film to watch, but I find, depending on where I am mentally, sometimes it hits, it hits me harder than it would at a different time when I watch it at a different you know at a different time and I think that's interesting and mm-hmm. I have the same thing with books too and it was I've just been thinking about that a lot like there's life experiences and perception everything affects how we interpret stories and it's just very interesting so like I'm kind of glad that I wasn't that I haven't been able to read it because it just made me think about that a lot <laughs> nice that's good so hmm. I think I think you've told me, you've talked, we've talked about The Expanse a little bit on here before, yeah. and I still haven't started it, so forgive me. So, if I wanted to start, would you recommend the show or the books first? I recommend the show first. Okay. And the reason I would cool. recommend the show, it, well, it depends. I re- the reason I recommend the show is because they, they've, they've done a fantastic job of condensing the storylines and interpreting the characters. Mm-hmm. And okay. I, 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 normally I would say read a book first and watch the film or TV show, but okay. the reason I would say for this one is because I think they're one of the most well-adapted shows I've ever watched in my life. And the writers, the showrunners, the co- even the costume mm-hmm. designers and the set designers have done an amazing job of interpreting the book. And I think okay. watching watching it is going to help you to understand the books really well because these, these books are very... Um, they're dense in the, the 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 writers James Isaacori have done an amazing job of world build of world building, and mm-hmm. it's it has politics, but it also has like um, a great character development and like great characters. And but because the book talks it like their politics is kind of like where politics is like geo is like geopolitics, uh, but I think okay. it still helps you understand it a bit more. Yeah. Okay, good to know. Well, I'm going to add that also to the list, but I look forward to giving it a try. Yeah, no, definitely check it out. It's one of it's my top five favorite shows ever. Awesome. Cool. Okay, so then that wraps up 
our books for things we've read, then let's move on to the movies. <laughs> um, so we both, I feel like we both watched Crazy Rich Asians. Yes. Did you also watch um, To All the Boys Ever I Loved? I did. I should have known. It's a rom-com. I did. Which one do you want to go I did. for I first? Ashley watched it in LA because I got to see a, a screener with Laura Surukul and Nancy Wang Yuan. Mm-hmm. So that was a great experience. And Chris um, in LA. Oh. So that was a great like, experience. Like, I, love, like, I love that film. I watched it again uh, a couple days ago. Yeah. And it's an it's amazing. Mm-hmm. And I read the book because you know me. I covered the book um, in July. That was one of my yes. book clicks for July. And that is also mm-hmm. really well adapted. I think the director did a really good job adapting the book. There's some things that I thought she could have um, changed or added, but it was really it was really well adapted. And I love um, to all the boys. I loved. I love it. Like Lana Corndor is adorable. She's so cute. And, yes, um, so freaking adorable. Is a dreamboat, like for sure. Disney. How is he real? I don't know. Disney, How is if he you're real? real? If Disney, if you're listening, anyone that's working at Disney is listening. I think he makes the perfect Prince Eric. This was my. This is my fan cast. And yes. If anyone yes. sees it, I am the first person that says that he should be Prince Eric in the live action Little Mermaid. I think he makes a perfect um, Prince Eric. But yeah, but yeah, I don't know he how be, he's real. He would be perfection. Uh, I just every time there's like some like you know they do, they're doing their press tour stuff so like any interviews or BuzzFeed videos with them I'm just I can't stand y'all you both are just so adorable and I want them to date in real life now yeah. and it's just like the story about how they met like outside of the movie like when they were auditioning and I'm just like this is just so pure and adorable and just and I love the fact that I had to like search and make sure that he was over the age of 21 yeah, I was girl. like sweet he is because I, I can't I'm, I'm not going to have a crush on a child. I'm Bopper, I know. I just, and I'm not. I'm not going to do that. <laughs> but anyways, <laughs> I realized, I recognized him immediately. Like, was he that boy on that Disney Channel show for like two hot seconds? I was like, that was that boy. He grew up fine. Puberty did him right. I know. He's, just... he's, he's like, he's, he's dreaming. He's, I think what endears him so much about for people and for women in particular is that his character is he's very close to who his mm-hmm. character was in um to all the boys in love and yeah like he's very he seems very honest he seems very um genuine yeah. and and he seems very earnest in like when he's answering questions he's very thoughtful about the mm-hmm. question the answer he gives to questions during the interviews and i love someone who does i love when, when you're interviewing people and as someone who does interview people i love when the interviewee takes the time to like really consider the question instead of throwing out some yeah. you know like paint by numbers question like he seems he he thinks about what he wants to say and he he's very um reflective in in in, in things too like he'll think and he'll be like oh wait and he'll self correct which I love which I appreciate um but yeah yeah like twelve by love is our rom com of our era it is the rom com I needed to enjoy rom coms again like it's just very good and it's not. How should I put this? Like, the story itself, I didn't know what to expect. Like, the so when we saw the trailer, and, like, you've read the book and everything, and I, like, just didn't want to read the book because I wanted to watch the movie first. And I was just very excited to, like, not know what was going to happen just because, like, it, it just kind of, like, gave me a genuine feeling when things were revealed. Yeah. 
because from for the premise, like we know, like from when Carolyn also talked, you guys can go listen to that episode if you haven't heard it before, because she gives a really great review of the book. But like the premise is that Laura Jean, who is played by Lana Condor's character, I mean Lana Condor, um, she basically anytime she gets a crush, she has like these intense feelings. So her best way to cope with it is she writes it all down, and then she put acts like she's gonna put in a letter that she'll send off, but she doesn't send it off. She puts it in her box, and she that's where she puts it. And like at the beginning, we find out she has a crush on her sister's boyfriend who was her best friend first Mm -hmm. and they were super close and like she was like they're very like very bestest friends but she was in love with him and like so the whole time i'm thinking is like oh great what's gonna happen is they'll end up together for sure and then comes along the scheme that noah's character comes up peter kabinsky comes that's his character's name comes up with this like can we just like fake date because I want to make my girlfriend jealous. I feel like that's from something originally, that's a, that, but that's I can't a trope think. We've seen. There's a lot of that's a trope yeah. in a lot of romance novels, and it's a trope yeah. in a lot of um, fan fiction. In like you pretend mm-hmm. to date someone and then you fall in love with them. So like that's that's one of my exactly. um, <laughs> that's one of my uh, favorite tropes in fan fiction romance novels. That and right? yeah, like the whole we pretend to be married and then we end up falling in love. We pretend to date and then we end up getting married. That kind of thing. So. Yeah. Yeah. That's very common. <laughs> and then it's like, I think what I like the most when I rewatched it is like, I see the parts where they actually started falling for each other. And then I did not need to be dragged emotionally and like for them to call out my personality. But when she had, they have the scene, they're being super vulnerable about like, well, why isn't, like, it starts off with him, like, asking her, like, you love romance and you love the idea of dating someone, but why haven't you had a boyfriend before? And she's like, dating and romance is fun to think about but it's more scary in real life and she's like he's like why because it gives more potential for people to leave you more hurt than you already are like i'm paraphrasing but i literally i screamed at the tv i'm like i did not need this dragon i did not need you to talk about me so loudly i did not need this because that is pretty much me as much as i like the idea of dating and romance i don't like adding more people to my life who can hurt me <laughs> unless i unless it's unless it's worth the risk and unless they bring something to my life that was so me when i first watched that it was as i said it was with Laura and um and Nancy and they looked at them and said that is so me I'm like damn yeah. if that ain't me it was like that hurt me it was like that it was like I screamed I was just like I did not need this dragon damn it but it was needed because no one's ever said the things that I've thought Oh, and that was real but then like you see the moment like I said you see the moments where they fall in love it's because they can be the most vulnerable they are with each mm-hmm. other than they can be with anybody else. And I think that was kind of like the best thing about it is that you kind of get to see, like, obviously, I don't know how many high schoolers have had this kind of romance. I don't know how many grown folks have had this kind of romance, but when you can just be genuine and vulnerable with somebody <laughs> and talk to them and be your whole complete self with them. Yes, that's that's and, the thing I love about the book uh, and the film too. And they, they're very mature, but they're still acting like teenagers. And especially Peter, like, yeah. he... What, listen, I love this character so much because he yeah. listens to her one. He he yeah. he thinks about what she's saying and he remembers and like there's and there's yes. he, and, and he he takes her feelings and her things and into consideration. Like the only thing that had me so pissed with him is when he gave Jen that ruffle. I'm like, why the hell would you give her that ruffle, Peter? Why? I was and so I'm mad. Like, I was like, like, so like, so like we not gonna snatch it. <laughs> 
I was like, so Laura, we gonna snatch it out of her hair? What we I gonna do? I would it out of that chick's head. I'm like, Jen, give me my damn rifle. What motherfucker? I'm like, why would you knows. do this to your And I think it's just like, and I think Peter's whole issue with like not being able to say no to her, like in the beginning, it's just like, you know what? He realized his self-worth. Yes. Like he realized he needed, he deserved better. He deserved to have a connection with somebody like Laura Jean instead of like, because how many, I mean, I'm not putting nobody on blast, but I've just known people who've been in relationships with people like that who would like use them at their beck and call and then threaten to end the relationship but the relation but they would never actually end it but they still go out and do what they want to do like it was convenient it was convenient for her to date peter and like he said like you only want me around because your college boyfriend isn't around i'm like how long has this been going on because this is toxic behavior exactly they want this is on their terms and it's funny because there's a there's a k-drama that i'm watching with the plot line Mm -hmm. one of the plots is similar like that it's called fight our way and it's the, the guy, so like they've been, they were off and on for like five, six years. And the reason they were off and on is yeah. because the girl, when she got tired, she moved on, find another guy, date that guy. Mm-hmm. And she come back and expect him to be available for her. Like she didn't yeah. expect him to move on. And like this bitch even went away, got married, left him, and she's like, oh, you're not getting enough for me. Uh, I'm gonna go get married, three years, and then divorce the guy. And they came back, I'm back now, I'm back, Opa. And I'm like, um it's just not what? it's not healthy and it's just and i think the author and like the, like the director like the whole cast did a perfect job of portraying like this isn't healthy and it's almost like calling people out are you in a relationship like this get away exactly. from it it's toxic like, stop, as heck. stop just stop it right now and i'm this is for anybody who's listening if you're in a relationship with somebody who treats you the way that peter's ex-girlfriend was treating him you deserve mm-hmm. better like it is it is disgusting for people to do that and i hate when people do that to other folks it's just wrong like you that you want stuff on your terms or you because you're jealous you want him back but you still want to keep your other boyfriend it's just like and she's used to having her way i was just i don't like her and but i love that laura jean like stood up to her and like just all the other just you know she built up more of her confidence um, I feel like she was already a confident person, but you know, she was just like more of like a quiet person. Yeah. Throughout. No, she she was. She's it quiet, seemed... but she has like as you would say, no people back then they would say metal. She has metal. Um, mm. Yeah. There were some things that she was a bit naive about. Um, yeah. And she did lose her. I wouldn't say her temper, but she then again she had a she had a right to be upset with Peter because Peter she expected better from Peter. Uh, I expected mm-hmm. better from him too. I was like, how could you, Peter? Yeah, uh, I did but too. Yeah, no, the relationship was really well done. The only thing um, I was saying, I I wish they had changed in the film, um, mm-hmm. is we we got a bit more mention of her Korean background. And the reason I say this is yeah. because there is, uh, like, in the book, they mention her grandparents. And even though, like, they never meet mm-hmm. her anything, we know that her grandparents are there. I wish that had been mentioned in the film. Like, we, that she still had that connection to the Korean side of her family. Like, they don't have to say, oh, this is my Korean grandparents. Like, I wish we had seen, like, a photo or something or we got to mm-hmm. have, we got to hear her have a conversation with her grand, her grandparents or, you know, just a bit more connection to her Korean yeah. side of making it too, um, too obvious. Yeah, I agree. Because, I mean, like, it's slightly touched on, 
And I don't know, so this is, like, this new thing with, like, some TV shows and movies is that, like, I appreciate, but then I also feel you on, like, I want more of the character's background to be brought in. But at the same time, it's, like, are they writing her just as, like, Laura, the girl? I mean, obviously, like, the, the character was written um, as, she's um, Korean in the book. Mm-hmm. But, you know, like, when sometimes there's, like, when it's done badly, when people just focus only on the character's background and they don't focus on the character. I think... They, I don't know. I don't know. I like, we don't have to make it about their Koreanness, and the, and the reason I and the reason I say yeah. it is because okay, like I mentioned it in my book review, uh, when mm-hmm. in the books the girls refer the three sisters refer to themselves as the Song sisters because that's their that's their maternal oh. um, last name, right? That's their mom's last name, and they they call themselves yeah. the Song sisters in the book, and you mm-hmm. that's a way for them to maintain not only their connection to their mom but to their their Korean heritage. And in the film, they yeah. call themselves the Kobe sisters, and I. I didn't like that. I didn't agree with that part mm. that being changed because we know that her dad's dad's Miss Kobe. But like to me, to just have them refer to themselves as the as the song sisters, it it just mm-hmm. reminds the audience like we we can see her. We we look at them, but we know they're Asian American. But we we yeah, still true. need uh, some kind of verbal acknowledgement that they are Korean because yeah. they, like let's face it, like we don't see. Like, uh, we don't see, like, uh, Korean-American or Asian-American representation that often on North American television. And you need to have some kind... This is my personal opinion. Like, you need some kind of acknowledgement that they are Korean and they are are Asian-American. And to have just that small touch of them keep referring to themselves as the Song Sisters instead of the Kobe Sisters would have been, to me, would have been nice. I think that's that's just something the director should have kept. Yeah. And see, I didn't even, I completely forgot about that because you did mention it before. And then, like, that's why I was confused. Like, why does he keep calling her Kobe? And that, that's why I was confused. Well, Peter calls her Kobe in the book, I, but when the girls are talking about themselves, they refer to themselves as the mm, song sisters. Yeah. Got you. Okay. No, I can't complete what, you, what you're saying because then us not, if someone who doesn't know, like, and I hate when people do this, it's just like, you know, they feel that Asian actors or Asian characters um, or just the, a group, people who are Asian in general, they just feel like they're interchangeable. Mm-hmm. So I feel like somebody who's like from the outside and not familiar with the movie, they would just assume like, oh, that Japanese girl. I'm like, she's not Japanese. Like that kind of like that kind of thing could simply happen just because somebody who wouldn't know or somebody who's just like blindly looking yeah. at it or like you know someone who would just say it. I'm just like, oh no, actually she's Korean and like that matters mm-hmm. that she's Korean. Like it's like it's it's specified for a reason. Exactly. So completely agree with you there. Yeah, just an awesome movie yeah. all around. So. And yeah. so then, and then yeah, our next film will be Crazy Rich Asians. Hey, what? more Asian summer, summer Asians. Um, I love the film. I love it. I love it so much. I love the soundtrack. I've been listening to the yes. soundtrack constantly. I just love it. Yes, same. Talk about a movie of just like opulence and beauty Close. and just like culture. And I want food. I want I, I want to go there and eat all the I food. Told, like I want. Listen, oh, I think over the food. Food. cinema, I said we are going to Singapore. I'm going to Singapore. Yes. I want that food. And the reason I'm going to Singapore is for the food, the market scene mm-hmm. in the beginning. <laughs> the food market scene. I was like, oh, look at the food. Yes. I want it. I'm going to go and get that. And I, um, and I messaged Laura. I said, listen, we're going to plan an Asian trip. I want to go to Thailand. I want to go to Singapore. I want to go to Korea, South Korea for food. I love, the, the countries are beautiful, but I love food and I want to go taste the food. Yes. 
the food, all of the food. And then just like, I, the cast, amazing. Mm -hmm. Just the cast is amazing. I don't know what I was thinking watching like to all the boys I ever loved. And then the next day going to see this movie, because this made me a wreck also, which I don't cry that often with movies, but it was just so well done. That damn wedding oh, scene. Oh my gosh. Like, she walked down the aisle barefooted in it. I'm just like, what kind of French shit is this? I was like, that is extra. That is extra, is so. extra weddings I've ever seen. Like, no, like, I was like, you, I, would, I would do it. I was like, if I had the money, I would go that the extravagant. Money. Like, the wedding dress was beyond, it was a gorgeous dress, but like, the, the so I started gorgeous. to lose it. When she, when the water starts to flow, I was like, yo, yes. is she going to have water flowing down this, this? this aisle? <laughs> yes. Yep. I was like, what is this? What is all this? And it's just like, I mean, obviously, like, the story and the romance and all of that is so great. And then just, like, seeing the community, mm-hmm. like, just seeing, like, the family and how everyone talks. And, like, like anybody else's family, there's, like, you know, there's issues. But I just feel like, because we're getting a sequel. Thank, Thank God. gosh. I'm so excited. I'm so excited. I'm going to read the book, and then I'm going to see the yes. movie. I'm just so excited. I mean, I, I want, I just want it now. It's so great. All the characters are awesome. Jimma Chan, her character, Astrid, this is so freaking good. Listen to me. I, okay, we have, we have to, we're going we're gonna to talk about the characters, but yes, we need to start with Astrid. I love her character. Yes. So I've never really seen um, Gemma Chan in anything because she's in a show called Humans. And I've seen like mm-hmm. a few clips and stuff, but I've never watched, and I've seen like a couple episodes, but I've never watched the whole show. But her acting, yeah. to me, it was like <gasps> Michelle's, it was very understated, but it was very strong. Yeah. In that I related to her character. I really, I, I had even pitched an article, but it was like, as I said, it was sick, so I didn't write anything, so we can talk about it. I, re- mm-hmm. I relate to her, to Astrid, to Eleanor and to Rachel. I relate to all three of these women. And yeah. the reason I relate to Astrid is because I understood where she was coming from, where you have to like, yes. hide your dream. And basically, all, for all of these women, it's about their, it's about dreams, about how women have to put their dreams aside to like either mm-hmm. serve their families or to create a new dream. Like for Astrid, her thing was, I am a businesswoman. I have I, I, I own 14 hotels. I'm a businesswoman. I know how to run businesses. And... I can't, I'm to protect my husband's pride, I'm going to hide who I am by jewelry. So mm-hmm. I'm, the, the scene that I really connected with, and it happened to me a second viewing. Yes. When she goes into the store, you see how she interacts. You, mm-hmm. you think that she's going to be standoffish and cold. But then when she kneels down to talk to that little girl, you're like, okay, you're not who I thought you were. I thought you were going to be some cold. Yeah some cold woman like you know what I mean I thought she was gonna be like the ice queen or you know that that kind of character and then she spoke to Logan she was so soft and warm but then she goes into the back and she looks at this jewelry and the guy is showing her um the jewelry and he's like you're gonna be the first person where you're the first person to look at it and for normally you would think she's gonna pick that because she's like oh I'm gonna be the first I'm gonna be the best whatever but then when she picks the the earrings from the back from the one that's in that's in the case i saw that mm-hmm. scene as a breakdown of her personality and of her gaining her her regaining her yes. independence and regaining her identity because this is jewelry that belonged to a queen this is the woman who coronated the queen is a queen who coronated herself and she's like i'm gonna i'm mm-hmm. gonna make this for me i'm a queen and it's locked away in this cage in this you know it's like locked away behind this glass door it, it can only be admired from afar and she by yeah. she's like I want this. She's like, I want to take this jury that belonged to a queen who crowned herself 
and mm-hmm. who wore it to her coronation, I'm going to wear this. And the, re- and, the, and the time she wears it is the same time that she looks at her husband and she says, I'm a queen and I'm above you and I can't make you into mm-hmm. a man because you're not a man. I can't make you something that you're not. And she, when, the way she put on the yep. earrings, I saw that as her, as her crowning herself. She's like, I, this is her coronation. She's like, I'm going to reclaim my status as a queen. I know my worth. I know who I am. And I, yep. that's, how I, that's how I, all, I interpreted that scene. I'm like, this is her coronation. This is, she's like, I'm, I'm awesome. I'm going to walk mm-hmm. on. I was like, yo. And I applauded. I was like, when the second, for the second view, I, I applauded because I'm like, this is how I interpreted the scene. I'm like, this is amazing. And I love Gemma Chan. And mm-hmm. if I meet her, I want to give her a hug because I'm like, I connect to Astrid so much. Um, <laughs> yeah. Yep. I just love her so much too. I mean, like you said, everything you said, everything you said, that scene with her and her husband. And it's like, it's so sad because you, from what um, Henry Golding's character is telling her, telling um, Rachel about her, it just sounds like she is like the like boss. Like she is a boss and she is like, she commands a room when she walks into it, but she's so kind and sweet and connects with people so effortlessly and genuinely. Mm-hmm. And it's just that, like that is just so admirable and I love it. And I'm looking forward to the sequel. That's going to focus on her. Harry and like, like you said, uh-huh. yes, I'm looking forward to that. And then it's just like you said, with the scene with her and her husband, because we found out that he's having an affair or supposedly having an Bastard. affair. And bastard because you're your pride you are upset you like again it's not because she comes from a wealthy family because she is a she is also a very like what's the word self-made can i say self-made i think she's self-made like, because the way i interpret her character yeah. is like she went out and she made these these yeah she's from family she's from money but the way I interpret yeah. it is that this is money that she made for herself yeah so see she's she has her own money and she does all these things and you are feeling inadequate because she has more money than you but and she's trying to do everything possible to make you feel like a big strong man and then i just i was so happy when she came to the conclusion i was like i can't make you feel like a man it is not my mm-hmm. job to make you feel like a man and i'm like yes that is what i need to hear because like how many times do women have to put themselves at a lower station or sacrifice their self their needs or what their desires or their passions in order to make their partner feel better like there's nothing wrong with um supporting one another but to her part it's like he wanted her to feel shame yes for being rich yes and shame for being capable like she don't need you exactly and i'm glad i'm glad she gonna he gonna be like i just need to read the book and figure out what's gonna but, be but going on because i'm ready to talk shit Kat, about him men like him or people like him is like you knew who she was when you married her you knew she was rich yeah like why are you yeah penalizing her now for for mm-hmm. being rich that's like the scene in the bedroom where he tells her like i know you have the jewelry and i saw the jimmy shoes like you don't have to hide it but the thing is is the reason she thinks you have to, he should have asked himself, why does my wife think she needs to hide these things from me? It's not because she's ashamed right. of buying them. It's because she thinks that you seeing these is going to make you feel less than. And like he should have had some moment of introspection. He's like, I need to work on myself. I need to be better. I shouldn't be making my wife feel guilty about being able to afford these things because she bought it with her own money. Like Exactly. Exactly. Just... All those things. Why my sister um, Guys, if you hear like talking in the background, like, if you can hear like someone shouting, that's my sister because <laughs> she and my friend, our, our friend is outside watching TV. So if you hear like background noise, it's my sister. Excuse me for that. <laughs> no worries. They probably heard my little cousin having a temper tantrum. Yeah. We just, she, she's well, watching. We all got happy <laughs> Yeah, it's an action movie day. So we've been watching action movies all day. <laughs> 
Uh, got you. Nice. Um, so what, oh, let's talk about a few more characters and then we can mm-hmm. wrap up. Um, so Michelle mm. Yao, like Eleanor mm. Young, mm. just mm. immaculate, immaculate. Like, yes, you wanted to hate her, but also you wanted to be her. I understood her. Like, I understood her. I understood her. That opening scene at that London hotel, I like, I loved when she like, oh, okay, this is how y'all mm-hmm. want to be. She goes out and uses the phone because they ignorant and they won't let her use the phone at the hotel, which is the least you could do. And you know what? They look rich. They look taken care of and you are ignorant. So your racism is literally... Sorry, I'm going to no, get off track for a second. It just goes coat, to right? show... What are you talking about? You can look at her exactly. coat and see it's it just expensive. Goes... What the hell are you talking about, sir? Yeah. And it just goes, and I'm like, Jay-Z isn't even my favorite rapper, but it's a line from one of his songs. It's like, they still going to treat you like a nigga. Mm-hmm. It's like, it, it can be applied to everyone, no matter how much money you have. Well, it just goes to show. Not white anyway. If you're a person of color, if you have money, yeah, sorry. they're still going to treat you like yes. trash. Because people automatically assume that white people have money. Like, mm, I can tell mm-hmm. you some things. Like, they would treat somebody. <laughs> mm-hmm. It's like the way she came in, it's just like, my name is this. I made this reservation. We are supposed to be here. And it's like, this is frustrating. I was furiated. Just like, okay. So y'all gonna give her the room or not? And then like, she goes out, calls her husband, makes shit happen, come back in. Whoops. Now she owns y'all. Yes. Like she owns this place. This is your own yes. fault. Y'all did this to yourselves. This- I was just like, good. Yeah, the crowd, both times that I saw in December, the crowd always goes, that's one of the scenes that the crowd always like loses it completely. The crowd's like, yes! And you're like, yes! Suck it! Suck it! Mm-hmm. And I'm like, yeah! And like, oh, the, the vindication you feel personally is like, I feel like, yes, I feel vindicated. White people. Yes. I'm like, yes! I feel Listen, I'm like, I felt it was me personally that had the moment. I'm like, because when you always want your own personal moment of that, that own per- that moment of like triumph is like, suck it, <laughs> right? So it was like, yeah. <laughs> it was so great. And then it's just like, then like you see how she treats Rachel, uh, which is like, I understand that she's protective of her son and you understand that like she has worked so hard for her family and her, she wants the best for her son. But it's like, she's almost blinded by how she was treated and like how everything that she put up with that then she's blinded of like how Rachel is so good for her son, like how they are really great together. And it's just like the whole, the Mahjong scene. Oh, that scene is beautiful. Just, I think that scene. I didn't know what was going that, on. I, I, I personally think all of you saw your scenes for that, for this film. I personally, I personally think they're all Oscar worthy. They're all worthy of nomination because yes. I, I'm going to get to the Mahjong scene, but the first scene that I really that I, I was like, Michelle, you was a tour de force, I think, when it comes to, like, restraining her emotions, but you still feel her her anger and her resentment is mm-hmm. the scene in the hallway when they're going up the bin. Rachel is going up the stairs and she's like, I'm, first of all, yeah. that's a metaphor for, for how Rachel feels in this whole relationship anyway. And not a relationship, but yeah. in the whole country because she's like, she's in this big house and she's surprised and she doesn't know where she is. She's like, I don't know my surroundings. She's like, I, I'm lost. I think I'm a little bit lost. I'm like, that's the metaphor. That's your whole metaphor for this whole freaking film. You feel lost. You, you're in a strange situation and you don't know where you are. That's the metaphor for this whole film. But also when, she, when Eleanor comes up the stairs, and she looks at her and she's like, I mm-hmm. see that you're lost. And and like that 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 dialogue that they share where she's like, I see you and I, I recognize who you are and I see myself in you. And it's like, you're not good enough. 
And I think, yeah, for me, I, the way I saw it is she saw Rachel as a mirror. And she, even though she's mm-hmm. been married into this family for decades, she still felt like she was not good mm-hmm. enough. She still felt like she didn't measure up enough because the scene that came right before was the one mm-hmm. with the dumplings. They're making the dumplings. And she's talking about yeah. how she she had to learn. She gave up her dream of becoming a lawyer to look after her family. She's like, my family is my new dream. Raising my children is my dream. But then when you realize, mm-hmm. if you connect it with what Nick told Rachel is like, that's not really true because his, his ama, his grandma is who raised him. Right. Because yeah. Um, Eleanor, she gave him over to his grandmother because she's like, I want to, I want to please this woman so much. I'm going to give my son over yeah. to her to raise. And she did that. And she still wasn't good enough because even after she got telling Rachel, you're not like, I did everything I could for this family. Gra- the grandma came in the, in the room. She got busy. Her position, um, Eleanor's position as the matriarch was then usurped and put aside for, for, for the grandmother. And then the way the grandmother speaks to her, you can tell she still doesn't respect Ray, um, Eleanor, right? Because she tells her about the way she makes the dumplings. And that to them is, <laughs> she like, your dumplings still aren't that perfect. And so... Yeah. Eleanor was like, not only are you going to disrespect me, but you're going to disrespect me in front of this 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 stranger, this woman that we don't know. So she was, mm-hmm. she was still like, she was still re- like, kind of like burning from that snub from the grandmother. So she went upstairs and she told Rachel, I'm like, yo, this scene is so good because you can tell like the way I sound like Eleanor feels she's resentful and she's envious of Rachel all at the same time because she sees Rachel living mm-hmm. on her dream and she sees Rachel as a self-assured woman who doesn't care about necessarily she cares but she doesn't care enough that she's gonna try to change who she is to please them so she saw this opportunity yeah. to get back at Rachel and but in essence I think she was getting back at the grandmother but Rachel was a stand-in mm-hmm. and then there's the scene in the kitchen where she's directing yeah. like this is her domain like you know but like mothers the kitchen is also the domain and she's in this domain and rachel is telling nick is telling um nick and rachel are telling her about everything that she's accomplished she's a professor of economics and all this and that and eleanor she's like you're yeah. in my domain and you're bragging about yourself and she's like you got all of this but you still ain't got all yeah. of it right and then there's the freaking magic scene like yo whew, that magic scene was brilliant yeah. um I, I love that scene so much because you can see in her face, where in Eleanor's face, mm-hmm. like she like even though she technically she won the game, but she lost because yeah. like Rachel said, yeah, Yo, Rachel, I'm pretty sure. See, this I don't know how to play no, mind from, from the body language. She, I could tell. I think no, Rachel she didn't won. Win, she didn't when Eleanor won the game itself. Um, because oh, I gotcha. didn't read all of it, but um, on original spin, um, I. From my understanding, I, ha- I have to read the article. I didn't read all of it, but from my understanding is I Eleanor won the actual game because she had the the winning hands. But mm-hmm. metaphorically, when it, metaphorically speaking, it was it was Rachel that won because she's like because um, it's like she. she conceded, she conceded, but she she didn't concede because she 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 was gonna lose. She conceded because she realized that was the right move to make, and so she was like, mm. I'm going to give up Nick. And I'm, I'm giving you up because it's my choice, but not because you forced me to. And you can see in Eleanor's mm-hmm. face, Eleanor was like, I've made a grave mistake. Not only have I underestimated her, but I ended up treating her the same mm-hmm. way that my mother-in-law treated me, right? 
Yeah. So it's the toxic cycle. It's continuing. Right? I love that so season. So she like, much. has to break it. I love that season so much. Yes, I love it. I love it. And then just again, top performance. And then just like we can segue into mm-hmm. Rachel of like, I love her character. I love that like she just is so cool and she's confident. Like she, like you said, she doesn't, ch- we kind of chatted about her a little bit already, but it's kind of like she doesn't change herself to fit in like you know in most of these like my fair lady movies or whatever where like the woman changes herself to like get the approval of people with a higher class and status she doesn't change herself because she knows her self-worth and i think the whole reveal of like her father and her mother was really touching because you saw how people even treated her when like, oh, my father died when I was young, before I was born in a factory. Like, that's what she was told. And the way people looked at her, because that was her story, like that she was raised by a single mother. It was just like, wow, y'all, y'all tripping. Like, like, I just feel like so much could have been said about that because it's, it's about class because everyone was looking at him like, oh, who is this girl that's won the heart of Nick Young? And it's discovered that, oh, it's just this. And like the way they just say it is like, oh, she's just some economics professor in from New York. And I'm like, she's like the youngest economics professor in New York. She's genius. She's brilliant. She's kind. She's like appearances don't matter, but like she's beautiful and stunning. And it's just people ignore, like just look down on her because of the like all these things i mean oh my gosh and because she didn't come from like a super wealthy family i get i think that's of course part of it like people were so shocked or thought she was a gold digger um even though you're a professor at a university that's what i was trying to get past my head it's like why would she be a gold digger because she has her money. Not made that much money um <laughs> but no but the thing like going back to the parents we'll get back to her parents i'm being a single mom um, even though, like, she said mm-hmm. her dad died, in some cultures, it's like you're seen as because you don't have both parents, especially if it's a dad that you don't have, mm. that you are out of, you are looked down and seen as lacking as something because they're like, wow, it, it, it's weird. It's like it's not your parents' fault that they died. It's not your fault that your mom had to raise you by herself. But it's still seen yeah. as you are being lacking of something. And it's like. It's weird, even though it's like one thing. If you had said okay, like they did divorce, but it's not, like you would think they'd have more sympathy because her dad died. But it's such a weird thing, and it's something mm-hmm. that I've noticed watching like a lot of the Asian dramas. That if you have a character, mm-hmm. especially if it's the woman, and she's like, okay, my dad died, or one of my parents died, like especially if their whole thing is like the whole Cinderella, kind of almost like the whole Cinderella story um, trope is like somehow you're lacking because your parent didn't live like that makes no sense but it's, it's something i've noticed watching yeah. the asian dramas but with rachel like i connected to her a lot as an immigrant because um coming from mm-hmm. barbados and moving here even though like canada is like you know the language is chinese i'm not chinese sorry we don't say yeah. but because the language is english that like, you would think that i would have had an easier time fitting in like i didn't i had a very hard time fitting in because one there was not that there's not that many Bajans here, but when the where I moved, um, where I was working, I was always usually only the only black woman or only black person. I was usually only mm-hmm. the Caribbean, the only Caribbean person, and it was very hard to fit in. And of course, there was like I I've my I was racially I've been racially profiled multiple times since I've been here, and it like I related to her because like like especially the scene where the mom tells her you speak Chinese. You look Chinese, but your heart and your mind aren't Chinese because she's like saying your 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 identity is Asian American, right? 
Like mm-hmm. you're, you're, you're speaking, you speak Chinese and you look Chinese because your parents are Chinese, but you're the the way you grew up, your the way you you learn to fit into society is American. So I related to that because I'm black. I speak black and yeah. like a black woman, and but, but my dialect from the moment I speak, if I'm not speaking with my, if I switch, if I do my code switch and I speak my dialect, you can automatically tell that I don't fit in, right? And people, I've yeah. had people ask me. I've had people assume that I'm stupid because when I speak with my dialect, I'm like, so that's, that could go into a whole Aquafina thing. But, um, but yeah, so I, I related to her is like people mm. automatically assume that you're not worthy enough because you're not rich enough or you don't have, you don't look the right way. You don't yeah. right. So I'm like, I related to her a lot as an immigrant and to, and to her mom's story. So I, so I related to yeah. Rachel a lot and the whole thing with being bullied I was bullied in school. So yeah. like, when she met those women, I'm like, you would think these are grown tail women. Don't you got nothing better to do than to yeah. bully some a woman that you just met, right? But I'm like, no, they don't care. And they're ignorant. Like, so they're still gonna they're gonna shit that could get them arrested. Like shit that could really get them arrested. I don't complain. Like I, I, she's like, Oh, I'm not gonna say nothing. I'm like, no, I am not about that. I hate mm. people, I hate to see people being mistreated, I hate unfairness. I'm like, no, 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 I would have retaliated. Cause I am like, I am not, I, I I used to be the whole, I, yeah, there's some moments when you have to be the bigger person, but in that situation, mm-hmm. like, nope, I don't need to be the bigger person. I am gonna be petty too. Yeah. I would have been like, call these heifers, I would have yeah. them, I called them out. Cause you know why those kind of people thrive and rely on you being silent. So, well, like, no, I would have cussed them out, sorry. Yeah. I don't need to be the bigger person in this Same. situation, sorry. Same. <laughs> But then you're like, you know, like, because of Ra- who Rachel is, she's like, I'm not going to make this a big deal. I'm not going to no, ruin um, Sorry, this bachelorette weekend. You know, no, I get, <laughs> again, I would have gone up to them like, you going to clean this shit up or I'm calling the cops. I don't care if we're on the <laughs> private island. I'm going to kill you all. But like Rachel being who she is, she's like, no, I'm not going to make a scene. I'm going to handle it. I'm <clears> like, good for you. You're the bigger person, but I don't want to be the bigger no. person. But then, when she gets to the wedding, and she just, like, walks on in, takes up the attention of all the paparazzi, yeah, all the press. I would have done that after I got petty. Um, I can be both petty and oh, yeah, still get petty. I can be both petty and amazing at the same time. Sorry. <laughs> still be petty. I mean, that woman can, that lawyer can get fired after they get married. That lawyer can, she can go bye-bye. Yeah. I don't care. Like, because, again, you're a grown-ass woman. Like, have some damn decorum. Is gossiping is one thing, but like y'all took a fish. Like obviously, no, y'all didn't do it because we know y'all too rich and rich bitches ain't gonna touch no fish and gut it on my bed. You probably paid someone to do it, and then you smeared it on my. Like, come on, this is disgusting. And then Rachel is like, she cleaned it up again. Okay, for you did not clean that up. You called the maid to clean that shit up. Stop talking. Stop lying. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Oh, I buried it. Yeah, but but you didn't clean the sheets, and you didn't have to wash the sheets either. So. Mm, true but then like to my point like Astrid comes and helps her like at least bury the fish and does all this stuff and I'm like again Astrid doesn't feel like she's lowering herself to help somebody yeah. and it's like I appreciated their friendship and your unity and just like man just all of it's perfection I know I loved it yeah. all I, I mean I, I know I know you I know you did mention I'll let you can kind of speak to it more about the Aquafina mm. Um, the black scent because I I have seen everyone like giving their takes on it and I mean I I'm in the position where I'm kind of like you know yes I am kind of tired of when people put on a black scent when it comes to like their or roles. what they consider to be a but black scent anyway true yes and that was my thing I was like that because that's what everyone like all these articles kept on saying is like is she putting on a black scent I'm like I don't really consider this to be a 
blacks in. It's, it's like, a caricature. Like or minstrelsy, yes, it's a caricature. But then at the same time, I'm like, it was just more stuff. I'm like, look, I don't know if this is like how some families actually are over there. But then like, we do know that there's people over in Asia who do like appropriate, like everyone appropriates yeah, at some point. Like, there's people... Black. Exactly, exactly. So people do that. So I'm like, that was my whole thing. Is like why I wanted to dig in deeper. Like, how much of this is appropriation, and how much is this is their culture? Yeah, like, but I this, can tell, like, because uh, The reason why it oh, bothered me is, um, mm-hmm. I, but I remember when I first saw the trailer and I did tweet about it. I said her accent bothers me. I'm like, I, because I mm. don't really know. I didn't know much about Aquafina before when the first trailer came out. And I still don't really know much about her. But I was like, yeah, yeah. this bothers me. And I then saw mm-hmm. people, a few people say, oh, she has that accent. I'm like, are we sure? And then I kind of let it go. But then I saw this film mm-hmm. called um, Dude. No, wait. I can't remember. But it's, it's on Netflix. And it's with her and Alexandra Ship and a couple other girls. And in this film, okay. she has not, she doesn't even have a New York accent. Why? Because she's, she, I, 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 she's what, I guess it's supposed to be kind of like LA, not, but not Valley Girl, but kind of like an East Coast, because I think it takes place in California. But it's just like an East Coast accent, mm-hmm. which it might, to me, at the Beijing and someone who's in Canada, is like a neutral accent. So, right, sorry. That's why I should say she has a neutral accent. And to me, okay. that sounds more like her natural accent. So when, and that's when I started to get bothered. I'm like, hold up. Mm-hmm. People talking about, she got a New York accent. I'm like, in this film, there's no New York accent to be found. She has a neutral accent. I'm like, mm-hmm. oh, okay. I see you. So then I watched the film. And when I remember when it, when it came out, I tweeted. I'm like, like, I love Constance, who I love Aquafina and Gemma Chan because the whole acid thing aside, like her performance was really good in like she has very good she, she has great mm-hmm. comedic timing and the way how yeah. she and she has like great not physical comedy and like she doesn't throw herself around but the way she moves her body and she uses her space and stuff like I really I like I found it funny and she was very like she's engaging as a as an actress and she has a great comedic timing but then the more yeah. I thought about it that night because I, I tweeted that out immediately after I left the cinema but then when I was on the train home I, I, I a lot of things started to occur to me I'm like a lot of things that she said I'm like why is she speaking this way like this bothers me mm-hmm. and it bothered me a lot and then um, then the whole a lot of people started talking about it, and I'm like, yeah. So it's not just me, right? And I'm like, because mm. then a lot of people are saying, oh, but she grew up in this place that's like has like probably 1.5 percent black people. So where is she getting this accent? And then I'm like thinking, but is it even really a black accent? Because this, I it sounded like this country twang, like you know what I mean? This weird. Yeah. It's not like even a weird ghetto quote-unquote ghetto accent and it's like this weird accent and then someone said that's like when people do like Caribbean accents in films it's always this weird yeah. Jamaican accent I'm like first thing first there are other islands in the Caribbean besides Jamaica and we all don't sound the yeah. same and a lot of these things that you guys mm-hmm. think are Jamaican accents are shitty 
weird versions of what you think a Jamaican accent sounds like. Get a real Jamaican yeah. and do get a real Jamaican and hire Jamaican actors. That's what you need to do. Like, like you know what I mean? I'm like, so like that's when it's like that's why I got personally offended because like it's like you guys like Hollywood does the same thing with Caribbean people. Everyone has what they think. Everyone thinks they everyone they think sounds like a Jamaican. Where like no, and then when we do have Jamaicans, mm-hmm. it's like this horrible Jamaican this horrible a, a version of what you think a Jamaican accent sounds like. So that's when the whole Aquafina thing, that's when I started to get offended and that's why I took it personally. And I'm like, but we do, we, yeah. we have to call them out, right? Because we can't be saying we want representation, but then we, we let things like accents like because like like that's a, like the way we speak our culture across the diaspora is a part of our, our it has to be accurately represented as well, right? I agree, because like that's kind of like where I was coming from. It's like I don't really feel like this is a black scent. I feel like what is this like? Like you, I think you said it's best. It's like a caricature. Yeah. It's like the caricature is on the. Um, forgive me. Like she's they're from Singapore is what I get from their family. So the caricature is on this Asian is on the Asian actress. But it's kind of like you know how many times have we seen it in TV where they're like, oh, can you kind of be play it like a black person would? But it's like a, like you have like a black you have a white woman who's like putting on a black mm-hmm. scent like it kind of gave me that vibes but not to that same degree it was just like something about it was just like yeah it kind of rubs me the wrong way a little bit and I'm not sure why because I think for me I would just know more like okay are there people actually over there who are like this who talk like this and that's where I was kind of like that's where more I was coming from because then I could be like okay but then it's like is it Cause she's not. Her family lives there. But she lived in New York. It was just, it, school with Rachel. And she lived in New York. So is it more like she just like? I don't really think of it. I don't oh, see. This is where I get confused. And like, this is me, someone who's been born and raised in America, where it's like I don't know if it's like when some people like go somewhere and they adapt certain characteristics. But then when you meet her family, her and her family seem to all kind of have the same. Like at least her and her parents. Whereas like I kind of got from the parents, they were just more of a like. Don't tell Ken Young because Ken Young spoke with his um, American accent, right? So that's why he even made it weird. Yeah. Like, if you live in the same place as your daughter, uh, why is your accent completely yeah. different? Like, no. Exactly. And I think maybe this is where we're just like digging in deeper with the family because it's like, it was obviously, it's not about them. So it's not like we're going to find out everything about Pinklin's family in like their history. So like, who knows? They could have lived overseas and like, or been there and like gone back and forth because apparently their family is very rich too. Like, you know, feeding feeding all the chicken nuggets to the babies, which I was just... That was about the whole (laughs) thing about America being poor and giving the chicken nuggets at the same time. I thought it was hilarious. (laughs) But... Oh, I thought that was funny. There's children in America who would love I this know, food. Right? I'm just like, no. Because <laughs> it's true. I just it's like, funny because it's true. Um, <laughs> it's funny. Yes, because it's but, very but true. The, the thing is, um, like, but no, I agree. Yeah, sorry, no, go ahead, sorry. No, no, I was just saying, like, I agree with you. Like, something about it is, like, yes, I thought she was hilarious. And I thought she was funny. I didn't appreciate how people was calling her, like, this year's Tiffany Haddish. <sighs> I didn't, that was my biggest pet peeve with it, was because, like, no not like she's she can be aquafina and tiffany haddish can be tiffany haddish that was that was gonna be like my kind of thing my point with it is like i didn't appreciate everyone calling her this year's tiffany haddish um but then like getting back to like how people were talking like talking about how she was portrayed it almost reminded me of like you know the bruno mars um debates about black music and i'm just like oh i don't want to get like i don't know i feel like it was getting complicated Mm -hmm. so 
I do appreciate like you sharing your feedback on it because I felt like that helped me like understand it a little bit more from some people. Whereas like I was bothered by it, but I couldn't place why I was bothered. Where it's like when people are angry at Bruno Mars for him using black music, but in him, in him making money off of it, but he's using like he's like working with black people, with black artists. So you know, I'm going down a rabbit hole that doesn't make any sense. I'm gonna edit this part out. Um, <laughs> Because I'm going, I'm I'm talking in circles right now. Because I'm trying to make sense of what I'm trying to say, but I think you get what I'm trying yeah. to say is that I couldn't place why I was I had this discomfort. It wasn't to the degree of like the Bruno Mars black music debates because that's kind of different. But it was my my biggest like um, reason is because like I didn't appreciate them comparing her to Tiffany Haddish because you know when people are comparing her to Tiffany Haddish, they're talking about how Tiffany is like you know this. Her the char- the characteristics that Tiffany brings to acting like Tiffany's more wild. People would provide would like describe her as wild or like um, embracing her ghetto ness. It's like what I've seen some articles, and I was just like, "Are you trying to say she's like Tiffany Haddish because she's loud and brash?" And I just because she's yes, that's what I want. Like she's loud and brash, and like you guys, like she doesn't fit like this stereotype. So I think that's where my yeah, issues no, lie. Just, I agree Sorry, because in a way, it's almost you're making Tiffany herself, her character, her persona. They're making her a stereotype yeah. in and of herself. Yes, thank you, thank you. This is why Carolyn is my co-host. <laughs> she can make sense of my nonsense. Same like, for me. You do the same for me. <laughs> I try. I try. I think you just did a better job. But th- yes, that that is what it is. Is I don't like the idea of them comparing the two, and it's basically them them saying that it's like as if Aquafina took Tiffany Haddish as the mo- as the model mm-hmm. and then applied it to the character. Because then I'm just like, well, I have issues with that because it's really fucked up. Yeah, it is. So, well, anything else to talk about the movie now that we've gone through? <laughs> The rabbit no, holes. I think we good because we've been talking, we've been chatting a long time. But you know what? I don't care because oh, these films and these shows and everything was so good for this month of August. Yes, yes. so good, so good. Oh, one last thing: Chris Pang is now the newest Chris in the Hollywood yes. Chris's. So say I. I. So it has been said. <laughs> I passed. <laughs> he is. Listen, it has I gotta passed. say before we close off, we have to we have to give props to John Chu and his casting director for casting yes. these men. Oh my gosh! Like, ugh. You're like, where do you find mm, these mm, men? And mm, I want to see mm, them in more mm. things moving forward. <laughs> I I demand it. I demand it. I. I need Hollywood to get their shit together. All of these men should be in more things. All of these actors should be in more things. I don't care. Yes. I want more. Yes. Everybody. Yes. Just like how black, just like we've had the Black Panther effect where we're finding out that Lupita Nyong'o and Winston Duke are going to be in a Jordan Peele mm-hmm. movie. I need the same to happen for these actors. I need to see a Henry Golding and Chris Pang. Like, oh my God, I'm just like imagining if we had the man from Uncle again, but with them too. Or, or, or. With something or, like or, it. A romance comedy with another woman of color. How about that? With a black woman or an oh, Indian woman or yes. an American woman. How about that? <gasps> oh my God. Jamila, like Jamila from The Good Place. Uh, Jamila. Yeah, her. Or I just thought of her instantly because she's so. Oh my god, I like her. She reminds me of Astrid's character. Or, but yes, we can have anybody. Or um, I'm trying to think. Oh my gosh, I just had an idea. I just had. Listen, I'm listening. I want a rom com with Chris Pang, or even the. Ah, I had my MD open my, my computer. Close down. The actor who pays Astrid's husband, he is fine as hell. 
Um, him too. He can go back. Give me a rom-com. Give me an action. Give me a drama with these men. Ooh, with some women of color. Come on, Hollywood. I need people to start getting yes. into screenplays. Come on. <laughs> okay. And I and as for my Hollywood wish, I want Chris Pang <laughs> in a spy <laughs> thriller that is not a James Bond <laughs> movie, and that he is not a villain <laughs> or that he's not a side character. And I want him to be the main <laughs> spy. Um, I want it to have who is the woman? Who is the woman? I need somebody else other than Lupita because she's already busy and booked. Um, <gasps> you teed backy. Ooh, yes. And she's the femme fatale. Yes. Make it so. Make it so. Okay. <laughs> Make it so. Okay, we're gonna stop because we will pitch ideas all day long. Um, but yeah. Oh, one more thing. Another reminder. Please, y'all, check out Carolyn Talks, our new segment featuring Carolyn. Y'all know her. Y'all mm-hmm. love her. And as she goes on interviews, because Carolyn will be in. Oop, my mic fell. <laughs> my bad. I got excited. Carolyn will be at TIFF, like she just said. Um, do you want to talk about it a little yes, bit? Yes, I will be at before TIFF. Before we head out. God willing, y'all pray for me, because I had, if you've been on my, if you follow my Twitter feed, I had some treatment for my MS, and like, oh, the medication messed me up. Yeah. But um, I'm praying and holding up hope, keep hope alive, that I'll be able to do yes. all the days at TIFF and all the screenings that I wanted to. I, I There's a lot of films that I wanted to do, but because of time, and because I, I still work, mm-hmm. I work part-time, I'll still be doing my job. And then there's a the time of commuting, and also because I've been sick for a few weeks, I'm trying to conserve my energy i won't be able to see as many films as i want um but I, there's a lot of films that i'm really looking forward to i'm trying to set up some interviews if anyone here just want to have an interview during tiff or even after if you're in toronto let hit me up um i'll be i'll be doing reviews for films like there's just so my top five is widows with viola davis if bill yes. could talk by barry jenkins shadow starring um uh uh ryan Zhang. um this film looks so gorgeous. Think, think epic, like um, House of Flying Daggers, Hero, um, uh, Crouching Tiger, Hidden Dragon, Curse of the Golden uh, yes. Flower, those films. We, I, it looks like we're going back mm-hmm. to those kind of films again with this with um, Shadow. And this film looks absolutely gorgeous. I can't wait to watch it. Um, there's Hidden mm-hmm. Man by... Uh, Young one, um, this is an action. This one is an action like it. This the action sequences look amazing. It's another um, period film in China, but it looks amazing. I'm also looking forward to um, Life Itself by Dan mm-hmm. Fogel and Don Fogelman, who does um, This Is Us. So I'm looking forward to some tears. It stars Oscar yes. Isaacs and. Yes. yes and um there's a film called lion heart it's a nigerian film the director is a woman of color forget her name is um jean viev nanjiani forgive me if i'm sitting wrong but it mm-hmm. looks it, it's a nigerian film the lead is a black woman it looks hilarious it looks, it's yes. a, I, I think it's a comedy drama but from the trailer it looks amazing um so that's just my top films for so, so far so you can go on our so you can go to our website on the but why though dot com and i have mm-hmm. my top i believe it's my top 10 films for tiff um listed there you can watch the trailers I, the trade the links for the trailers are attached so you can watch the trailers for those films as well follow me on twitter tiff officially begins on september 6th which is this thursday so um follow me using the hashtag shwhpod 
Tiff, T-I-F-F. Um, so I'll be tweeting about the films that I've watched, that I've watched, um, interviews that I'm hoping to line up, and um, about the festival in general. This is my first time covering as press, so I'm very, very excited. Mm-hmm. I'm by myself representing the podcast, but of course I have the initial supporting me. Um, Yay! So I'm excited, I'm nervous, and I'm a bit scared and apprehensive. I'm like, Lord, give me the energy so I can make it through this whole festival. I don't fall and collapse out of exhaustion. Um, but I'm looking forward to it nonetheless. And um, yeah, I'm looking to have some fun, meet some journalists. A lot of my, a lot of my Twitter peeps I'm going to finally get to meet in person. And if any of you hear this and you see me and you're in, and you're in Toronto, hit me up on Twitter. We can probably have a meetup. So, um, yeah. Oh, and also... There's a collaboration between the American, the African American Film Critics Association and Turner Classic Movies. So for the month of September, they're going to be showing um, black films. Um, it's called Black Excellence in Film, and every Tuesday and Thursday, beginning the fourth, which is um, beginning the first of September, every Tuesday, Thursday at eight p.m., they're going to be showcasing films and interview with industry insiders. So check them out. And there's also going to be an announcement for that with. Um, press release on the website as well so you can look for that as well and that's it for announcements for now (laughs) sweet i'm so excited and yes you guys please reminder just follow carolyn on twitter and follow us on twitter as well and you'll be able to stay on top of everything that's going on that she's going to be experiencing Mm -hmm. at tiff we're very excited about Mm -hmm. her and we are just going to keep on plugging her away as as much as possible Yes, pray, pray, because I will be praying for her. I've been praying for you, and you know, it's going to be this all medication, right. This I medication, this medication, oh, Lord. Whew. Screw you, and know. screw you. <laughs> you got this, girl. Just keep putting yourself yeah. first. All right. Uh, All that is it. So thank you guys for joining us for another episode of So Here's What Happened. We look forward to you guys coming back again for the next month of things we watch and Yay. read. And yeah. Bye.